You are listening to the Quarter Transmissions Special. Episode 16. And now, here are Craig and Jeff. the tricorder transmissions this is the second half of our season two wrap-up episode we had a great time talking last week about the first half and uh, we had the same panel back again with you as jeff hewlett and craig cohen and mr chris ritzer is rejoining us again hello once again hello again so you guys ready to mix it up on the second half let's do it Oh, yeah. Rock on. All right. So before we jump in, I just want to throw to the Red Shirt Diaries folks. Uh, Ashley and Jason are here to tell us what's going to be happening on tomorrow's new episode. Hey. Hello. So in our fifth episode, Captain Kirk has been acting strange for the first time ever, and he keeps visiting Ensign Williams. But what does he actually want? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Uh, this one is a lot of Captain Kirk because it's all about Captain Kirk and it's all about Captain Kirk bothering Ensign Williams and also features the first appearance of an off-camera Jeffrey's tube. Ooh. <laughs> and I, 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 I stress off-camera very importantly. Off-camera. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to see how that's worked in. <laughs> so hope you enjoy that. Woo, lots of Captain Kirk. All right. So we're all looking forward to seeing the next installment of the Red Shirt Diaries. They've been a lot of fun. So far, uh, last Monday's uh, Naked Time episode was was pretty funny. Well, let's waste no time and and jump in where we left off. And uh, we left off with the Trouble with Tribbles, a pretty popular, famous episode of the original series. And, uh, of course, both Craig and I voted essential on this one. Uh, I, I don't know if we necessarily need the synopsis, but why don't we read it anyway? Sure thing. A dispute over control of a planet brings Enterprise to a space station where they must deal with Klingons, edgy Federation officials, and a previously unknown species of small, unbearably cute, voraciously hungry, and rapidly multiplying furry creatures. Of course, like I said before, we both called this episode essential mainly because uh, it introduces the Tribbles into the Star Trek universe, and they have shown up uh, many times in many series and and uh, even popped up in in uh, I think Star Trek 3 you see some in uh, the bar scene I think when McCoy goes to try to uh, charter a flight or uh, is it or is it when Kirk uh, meets up with the uh, the the higher up federation officer to try to get the enterprise uh, back so that he can go back to Genesis do you guys remember which scene that was no it's been a while since i watched um part 3 yeah. well that's news to me i didn't know about that i have to go check it out yeah, as, as uh, the camera is panning the bar, I think you see a table with uh, two people sitting at it. I think it's a couple, like a man and a woman, and there's two tribbles, I believe, on the table there that they're petting. And they did make an appearance in the movie. So, Chris Richard, do you agree or disagree with us? Oh, I agree. This is uh, definitely a legendary episode. It's probably the most well-known out of all the original series episodes. And to use a Craig is Craigism, it's pretty much the definitive cocktail party uh, episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> everyone knows this one yeah it's a fun episode uh it's cool uh get to see some Klingons. triples are pretty cool it, it's a good episode it's a lot of fun awesome yeah and it was mined um for not only uh that sequence in part three but they also did an animated series uh episode based around it and that famous um Deep Space Nine uh, episode where they traveled back in time and actually interacted with with the episode. So kind of important in the overall Trek picture if you look outside the original series. Oh, and Koloth actually pops back up again in a second season Deep Space Nine episode called Blood Oath with uh, Kang and Kor. All right. Yes, and played by the same actor and 
it goes out a blaze of glory. It has a nice glorious death befitting a Klingon. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. And we also did um, we did a whole supplemental on this. So if you haven't listened to that, um, that was one of our super panels. Yeah, I think you were on that, weren't you, Chris? Yeah, super panel. Yes, yeah, super yeah, panel. That was a, that was a super panel. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty awesome episode. We we talked about a lot of different uh, triple related topics on that episode. One of them was the absence of Harry Mudd and the appearance of Cyrano Jones. So we had thought uh, a couple of us had thought that Mudd would have been a better choice than Cyrano Jones. And a funny thing that. In Matt Walski's comments that he sent via email, he agreed with that. Uh, agreed with us that this was an essential episode. And one of the things that he mentioned was uh, uh, he did mention Mud uh, in his comments here. And interesting that that he had to bring him up. And he also he he refers to this episode as the Star Trek Four of the TV series. Oh, <laughs> which I can see. Yeah, lots of humor. Yeah, uh, but not not as much as as. Um, uh, not not as awkward as a, a mud episode or as a, a piece of the action kind of was, and uh, he he loves the fight scenes, uh, of course, with Scotty and Chekhov slugging it out with the Klingons, and um, he does like the Cyrano Jones character. Uh, he he says that mud wouldn't have worked for him. Well, I guess that's something that uh, Chris would agree with. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think he just would have chewed up too much uh, screen time, hmm. and I think if you would have had him in the episode. I really think you would have it maybe like tone it back with the Klingons and it really would have become, I think, a mud episode instead of a Klingon episode. Hmm. That's that's a valid argument. Yeah, I agree. That's that's, that's a valid argument. So uh, any closing thoughts on Tribbles, uh, Craig? No, it's just um, I know we talked about it in our in our con wrap up, but it was so great. One of the highlights of the Vegas uh, convention this year was when we got to go uh, talk with David Gerald, who who oh, yeah. wrote the the episode, and and you had your glomer with you, and and he was selling uh, copies of the animated series script as well as the original teleplay for for the 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 classic Trouble with Tribbles. So uh, just a really cool um, really cool moment at the convention, and it's great that. You know, writers that worked on a show almost 50 years ago are still um, out and about and willing to interact and uh, mm-hmm. and meet their fans. So uh, very cool. Oh, yeah, I agree. That was a really great experience getting to talk to David Gerald for a while. And uh, yeah, he, he liked he liked seeing the glomer there. So I, I felt good about that. Yeah, yeah, that was very neat. It was a neat moment. Yeah. So. All right. Moving on. The next episode in the running order is the gamesters of triskelion and uh craig want to give us a rundown sure thing kirk uhura and Chekhov are kidnapped by aliens and forced to fight other aliens so that a mentally superior race can gamble on the winner the introduction of the Quatlu, as it were <laughs> so both craig and i called this episode non-essential simply because there really wasn't anything that would put it over the top so no uh no no firsts no recurring aliens being introduced although we do see a a yellow alien girl in this episode which i don't think she was ever identified as to what race she was but that could have been something had they identified it and those people recurred but that didn't happen so the brains don't ever come back we don't really ever hear about wagering of quatloos again and so there really wasn't anything that that either Craig or I felt uh, put this episode into the essential column. Anything to add to that, Craig? No, you know, you did a pretty good job. All right. Chris Ritzer, agree, disagree? I have to agree with you guys. Uh, it, it can be a somewhat entertaining episode to watch, but nothing big happens uh, other than some good fight scenes where Kirk gets to the shirt off again and... Uh, I guess what this is the second appearance of an Andorian is it? Mm, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So at least they came back. But otherwise, yeah, nothing groundbreaking this episode. So yeah, not essential. Well, we do have a listener who disagrees with us on this one, and that would be uh, Mr. Matt Walski. He calls this episode essential, and his comments are. Uh, so many action-packed episodes in season two and some really important, iconic moments in the show, such as Quatlu's and the combat board. Chekhov getting hit on by his drill thrall is amusing. Uhura having uh, near-rape problems. 
uh, from hers is not so pleasant. Kirk supposedly will be penalized if he treads on the wrong colors, but at the end, uh, it never happens, even though he he wanders all over them. So yeah, that's some stuff that we pointed out too in the episode. But uh, Matt feels that this episode is essential. Uh, any thoughts from you guys on his reasoning? All good points, uh, but I think if you really break it down to the the rules that 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 we're using individually. Not enough there, really, for me to to be inclined to change my vote. Hmm. Chris? Yeah, I second what Craig said. All right. Well, we will move on then to the next episode in Season 2, and that would be uh, one of Craig's favorites, A Piece of the Action. Yes. Returning to a planet last visited by an Earth ship 100 years ago, the Enterprise finds a planet that has uh, based its culture on the gangsters of Earth's 1920s. Craig and I both called this episode essential craig do you want to talk a little bit about why that was i think just thinking back on the episode i think that out of all the sort of alternate earth episodes that they did this season this is i'd say probably the second most uh, effective and possibly the most well known but second most effective in my opinion but this really gave us an idea of how important the prime directive is and what can happen when it's not obeyed. And also we saw some new tech too. We saw what the wide area phasers from the from the Enterprise, right? Yep. The area wide stun happened mm-hmm. for the first time. And I believe this was also the first site to site transport. Right. Yeah. So some some important tech on display there. Yeah, some pretty cool stuff that that goes on into the future. So, you know, also some good character moments to support that from from Shatner and and Nimoy. So uh some some great stuff there to, to take forward uh, into the future. Uh, Chris, do you uh, agree? Well, it's a really fun episode. I love the uh, scene with Kirk trying to drive the car. <laughs> that always uh, gets That's a, a laugh from me. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a real fun episode. I like how they did a time travel episode without the time travel. They sort of got around it there, and it turned out pretty good. But I do have to vote non-essential on this. Oh, uh, it's a good episode. It's a lot of fun to watch, but the tech stuff in it just that can't sway me really. <laughs> hmm, very interesting. You're gonna feel silly at that cocktail party when somebody comes over and asks you about that episode and you don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we have a, a a little clip here from from Donnie. So uh, let's hear what Donnie's got to say about the uh, piece of the action. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and disagree and say it's not essential. Um, I do agree that the, the, the technology that was revealed that, that you just, you know, discussed, Jeff, uh, is awesome. But as far as, you know, the rest of the episode, I would just have to say that it's not essential. Um, it's kind of just, just a filler episode, I think. Um, and a reuse of, you know, 1930s mob uh, set set pieces they had lying around the studio. So I would just say that it's it's non-essential. All right. So that about closes up a piece of the action. Moving on to the immunity syndrome, which is the next episode in the running order. Uh, Craig, synopsis? Yep. After Spock senses the destruction of the Vulcan man starship Intrepid, the Enterprise encounters an enormous single-cell organism that feeds on energy, which threatens the galaxy as it prepares to reproduce. So Craig and I both voted this episode non-essential. And uh, although there was an interesting... We weren't sure if it was a, a new Vulcan capability, but Spock seemed to be able to detect a, a shipload of dead Vulcans from uh, quite a distance away. But uh, we weren't sure if that that necessarily qualified as a an, a new power because I don't think he really ever does that again. Uh, some good character moments, but not enough to really uh, put this over the top. Uh, any any other thoughts from you, Craig? No, you you uh, you nailed it. Okay, uh, Chris Ritzer, uh, agree disagree? I agree with you guys. Non essential. I mean, it's a yeah, decent episode to watch. Uh, it's but in the end, nothing major happens to deem it essential all right and once again we've got another disagreement from matt walski he calls this episode essential he says the best spock mccoy episode ever uh loves the shut up spock we're rescuing you 
uh, McCoy line. Uh, again, like the Changeling, uh, similar to the motion picture with the amoeba and being uh, similar to the cloud that surrounded V'ger. Uh, not sure why Mr. Kyle is at the helm or why Kirk refers to him as Mr. Cowl the entire show. Uh, I'm not sure if I caught that. Uh, it's up there with Shatner's uh, pronunciation of sabotage. So I'm, I'm not really sure if I caught that Cowl reference. Did you catch that, Craig? Not that I can remember. Mm. So what do you think of uh, Matt's disagreement, Craig? Uh, again, it, there's some good points, um, but but I think they don't really fall in line with uh, with, with my criteria. I know overall, Matt's, um, I think he was a little bit more on board with this season than we were for, for some mm. of the episodes, especially um, in this second half where I think we had a, a pretty long run of, uh, of no votes from you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're about to hit that string here in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, any, any thoughts on, on the, the disagreement? Pretty much agreeing with Craig again. It's just, there's not enough to warrant being uh, essential. All right. So that's a wrap on the immunity syndrome moving on to a private little war on a planet with a primitive a primitive civ civilization the enterprise discovers that the klingons are providing a stone age society with increasingly advanced weaponry craig and i both voted essential on this episode and looking back at my notes we have the introduction of the the vulcan uh, coma like healing state uh, which is a, almost like a ritual uh, that they can use when their bodies have been uh, very badly damaged and they they need to uh, kind of go into almost a, a self-induced coma in order to in, in focus their energy and heal themselves and you have uh, dr mbenga who is who's familiar with this ritual and uh, which establishes that uh, there's a Starfleet doctor, at least one, who is very familiar with, with the Vulcan ways and Vulcan physiology, which was kind of cool. And uh, also, the you get some good Kirk backstory with a with a time reference point attached to it. So we find out that uh, Kirk was actually on this planet uh, doing a, a, his first planetary study, long-term assignment, uh, with the leader of the tribe, Tyree, and it was 13 years prior to this episode happening. So we, we get a, a pretty good snapshot of what Kirk was doing uh, in the past. So, Chris, uh, any thoughts? I have to go essential on this one. It's an entertaining episode. Uh, just my one gripe, I think, is this season particularly, you're getting hit over the head with the prime directive, mm -hmm. yet Kirk goes to this planet. He's hanging out there with these people. Tyree knows he's from another planet. It's, huh? I, I that just kind of just blows my mind a little bit. Hmm. But other than that little quirk in this story, I think it's it's a really good episode. Uh, yeah, more Klingons. That's always a good thing for the most part, and uh, it's a lot of fun. All right. Well, you well you forgot one thing. What did I forget? The pants. Oh, the pants. <laughs> yes, yes. The pants. The pants. Are you speaking of Nona's pants? Yeah, yeah. And we actually pants. saw what? We saw at least two girls who were cosplaying as her out in Vegas. Yep. At the same time, no less. Some, I think they actually walked around together for a bit. Yeah, both very, very good costumes. Yeah, excellent. Both very well done. Uh, we have a disagreement from Matt Walski. Calls this episode non-essential, but thought-provoking. Uh, he mentioned some moments uh, involving the mugatu which is was the creature with the fur with the white fur and the horn we also saw one of those we saw one of those uh, a female one no less yes uh he kind of mentions nona he he's a, has some affection for nona one, uh, one of the most beautiful women in the series uh, he likes to see a klingon not being the main villain uh, but still kind of pulling the strings so which is a bit which is a bit rare for the klingons he says it probably has the most downbeat ending to any episode apart from City on the Edge of Forever. I, I would kind of disagree with that a little bit and, and throw um, uh, Paradise Syndrome from Season 3 uh, where where Kirk's unborn child dies. It's, that's that's probably the Spoiler darkest alert. one for me. 
Oh, geez, <laughs> only 50 years after the fact. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so so Matt disagrees with us. Uh, doesn't doesn't find this uh, episode to be essential. But once again, I think his criteria for essential episodes are slightly different than ours. So it's it's good that we can all kind of see things a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah. I know on the on the Facebook um, page, you mentioned how great it is that and that's what makes Star Trek great is the fact that people can find value in episodes that other people might not see. Yeah, and Chris, and you 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 have a, a different way of looking at some of these episodes than we do as well, don't you? Yeah, to an extent. Usually for me, I the, the tech side, if it's something big, I'm into that. Yeah, then I think that kind of makes it essential, but for other techie things, it doesn't mean as much to me. All right, so to close this episode out, we've got some comments from Donnie. Let's let's take a listen to those. I think A Private Little War is an awesome episode for two reasons, and I and that it's essential. One because it was you know it was commentary on the Vietnam War, which I think is and it was a little bit more overt than um, some of the other episodes were. So I think it makes it essential for that reason because it's great. It's a great episode to showcase the fact that the original series. Uh, was used from time to time as commentary on what was going on in the, wor- the world in the 1960s. Also, I think it's essential as well because of the way it ends. The ending, it, it, it doesn't really resolve itself. They kind of just, much like, I guess, the Vietnam War, it never, it doesn't end with a, with a definite resolution. It kind of just, like, Kirk admits kind of defeat, and they beam back up, and they leave, leave things how, how, you know, unresolved. So I think it's just a great episode just to show the uh, social commentary that it contained and the fact that it ended unorthodox uh, in an unorthodox way compared to the rest of the series. Okay, so on to the next episode, which is Return to Tomorrow. Craig? Three survivors from a race that died half a million years ago borrow the bodies of Enterprise crew members so they can build android bodies for themselves. And Craig and I both voted non-essential on this episode, uh, as the same as some of the previous ones. No new reoccurring aliens, uh, no major character moments to remember, uh, no new technology or or backstory uh, moments here. So non-essential vote from both Craig and I. Craig, any other things to add to that? No, I don't don't think so. Uh, I know your your notes for this season are a little bit uh, more in order than mine. All right, uh, Chris, agree, disagree? Uh, I like this episode quite a bit, but again, nothing super major happened, so I'm going to have to go non-essential. But it's kind of cool. You get, you're introduced to uh, Diane, Diana Moldar for the first time, and she later pops yes. up in a season three episode, and also she comes back in Star Trek Next Generation, the second she season, does. as the Doctor. Yes. Who was way better, I thought, than Crusher. Mm. So yeah, Pulaski, I, she was yeah, pretty much the female uh, McCoy. And yep. uh, yeah, she was a lot of fun in the second season of uh, Next Generation. It was definitely one of the high points, I thought, of uh, that show. It yeah, was a I shame agree. that she split. Yep, uh, I agree. I, I liked her as the Doctor. Yeah, I kind of like that no-nonsense McCoy-esque type of Doctor uh, more than, than the Doctor that Crusher was. Yes. Okay, so Matt Walski agrees with us that this is a non-essential episode uh he does say though that there's plenty to recommend uh, mainly uh, leonard nimoy being evil with uh, with henock's uh essence inside of him so that that's kind of interesting to see uh, the vulcan who is normally you know cold and logical you know leaning up against the door frame and you yeah. know laughing and enjoying you know being in a in a vulcan body i thought it was kind of neat oh yeah yeah definitely and and actually that Kind of gives me a, a show idea for maybe our series wrap-up, not to get too hard ahead in the future, but uh, our favorite character moments over the series. Maybe oh. we each come to the table with a top ten list of our, our ten favorite moments for each character. That's a great idea. I think we're going to have to do that. So you heard it here first, everybody. So you have a, a you know eight months to anticipate this. <laughs> uh, actually, probably not that long. So, uh, All right. So we will move on to Patterns of force the enterprise searching for a missing federation historian discovers that the historian has apparently contaminated the cultural development of the planet where he was assigned as a cultural observer to have it follow the societal path of nazi germany in the 1930s and 40s 
this is the first episode that uh, in this second half uh, wrap up episode that Craig and I disagree on. And uh, Craig voted essential on this and I fell on the non-essential side. So, Craig, why don't you uh, give us a recap? I think uh, overall this was another episode where I felt the the way they handled the prime directive um, was important. But I also, I I don't recall exactly what moments they were, but I remember there being some character moments in this episode that I thought were pretty worthwhile, mainly between Spock and Kirk, mostly probably while they were in prison. Hmm. Interesting. And I, I think that if I recall, I was on, I was on the fence according to my notes on this. And then I fell on the non-essential side. And I think there was a small slight bit of uh, backstory acknowledgement by Kirk that he has some experience with this, with this uh, other Starfleet uh, guy who was, uh, you know, down on the planet there and, and caused the whole Nazi thing to happen. But there wasn't enough for me to push it over the top. So, uh, Chris, do you want to be a tiebreaker on this one? Sure. Uh, this one is non-essential in my book. Hmm. Uh, it's another, pretty much another time travel without time travel story. And have two of them so close together. Hmm. Yeah. It was kind of like, uh, it's just sort of like, seemed like they were running out of ideas a little bit there. I mean, it's a totally different story from piece of the action and this one's a lot more serious but mm. again it's just not enough happening there for me to deem it essential yeah i mean looking at the overall season now that we've talked about it i really think the last episode they did which we'll talk about when we get to it bread and circuses really nailed the concept mm. um so if i really had to go to bat for for one of the episodes this season aside from a piece of the action which thankfully is protected by the cocktail party rule i would probably say that uh bread and circuses would be the one that i would really throw my hat in the ring for so we've got a uh, a non-essential vote from matt walski he says uh, he, he's never really known how to take this episode it's not bad it's just okay the whole episode about five or six instances of kirk and spock being stopped at gunpoint which is a real stop start effect uh, McCoy wearing the wrong size boots is funny, but uh, his comment of what the blazes is this probably sums up how Matt feels about the show. Gangsters he can take, Romans he can take, Nazis it doesn't feel right. So that's that's Matt's synopsis there. So, you know, I can see uh, Craig's points on this one, and uh, I probably would have liked, I always would like to vote essential, but uh, I kind of had to take the hard line with myself. And, uh, and and move to the non-essential. So either of you guys have any closing thoughts before we move on? Not, not really. I mean, this is definitely one of the more shocking episodes of the series in, you know, watching it in 2014 just because of how much more removed from World War II we are. Yes. Yeah, that, that's true. All right. Let's move along to the next episode which is by any other name. Extra galactic. I love that word, That's extra word. galactic. It's uh, not intergalactic, it's extra galactic. Aliens hijack the Enterprise and turn the crew into inert solids, leaving the four senior officers on their own to exploit their captors' weaknesses. And this is another episode where Craig and I disagreed with Craig falling on the essential side and me falling on the non-essential side. So over to you, Craig. Yeah, I believe this is the episode where Scotty and Spock bring to Kirk's attention that they have a way they can destroy the ship and Kirk actually argues against it. Yes. Yeah. So I I think that was the main thing that really uh, jumped out at me is making this an important episode because We've seen uh, or we will see Kirk use the Enterprise or the destruction of the Enterprise as sort of a tool. And I just thought it was really interesting in this episode that they had this threat that they were up against. And Scotty and and Spock, of course, Spock's going to be driven by logic. But even to have Scotty sort of saying this is the move we should make, but having Kirk being headstrong enough and realizing that he's been in no-win scenarios before – and there's a way to figure this out without destroying the ship. So for me, that I don't know. That's a really, that's a really significant character moment. I voted non-essential for my my typical reasons, and uh, the the introductions of the Kelvins as an alien race 
unfortunately, they didn't recur. Uh, they only got a, a mention in some DS9 episodes, but we never uh, we never get to see any Kelvins. They don't wind up being members of of uh, Starfleet or or, any, or enemies of Starfleet in the future. So I, I thought that that could have been something that would have put it over the top for me if they wound up showing up more. We did see uh, Spock doing some mind manipulation through a rock wall, but we've seen him do stuff like that before, and we'll see that kind of stuff again. So I, I went non-essential on this. Chris, do you have a tiebreaker? I'll have to go non-essential as well. It can. It's a decent episode. I love the part with uh, Scotty getting completely tanked with the uh, oh, yeah. one Kelvin and drinking him under the table. <laughs> but uh, other than that, it's just not enough happening for me. Hmm. You, you neither one of you guys really think that the 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 device of using the Enterprise as sort of a game ender um, and Kirk's reaction doesn't really add any value to this episode. I mean, it adds entertainment value to the episode, but I don't I don't necessarily think that you know I would say somebody would have to watch this episode uh, just because of that fact. I mean, we see him use the Enterprise as a tool. And actually even blow it up in the movie. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't I don't think that you're really missing out by knowing that he didn't blow it up once. Yeah, I think this that 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 kind of informs the decisions he makes further down the line. I think it just shows a great prog- progression of the character. Um, and it shows that he's gone through, you know, uh, changes in the way that he thinks. But I, I can understand uh, your argument. And this is where Matt Walski is going to swing in and save the day for me, right? Matt Walski is going to swing in and say non-essential. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yep. He says plenty to enjoy, though. Uh, Really strange. Starts off really dark and turns into uh, a comedy, in his opinion, at the end. Uh, He mentioned Scotty getting the alien drunk, being, being funny. He'd seen uh, all other 78 episodes of the series by the time he finally got around to watching this one for the first time. Oh, interesting. And see, he missed it. He either missed it on television or purchased the VHS tape last. He wishes that it had been Alternative Factor instead. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, um, wow. So that, that, that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. I guess we can, we can leave this episode on that thought and move on to the Omega Glory. The Enterprise discovers the derelict starship Exeter drifting in space, its entire crew killed by an unknown plague and her captain missing. So this is a double non-essential from Craig yeah, and Yeah, high five. Yeah, slap. <laughs> and uh, I think it's pretty obvious why. Uh, there's really, uh, there's no, uh, no, no character moments here, no, no aliens. And this is, this is actually one of the, or if if not the most awkward Earth parallel episode, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. Out of all the Earth parallels, I think this one comes too creepily close uh, by having uh, you know the, the same uh, flags, the same uh, the, the same documents, this having having them the, them recite uh, the you know the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag in that weird. Uh, uh, that weird kind of slurred speech thing it was very odd to me, and and it just kind of smack kind of smacked you over the head uh, w- with the Earth parallel. Chris, what do you think about that? Yeah, I have to agree with pretty much exactly what you just said. Uh, yeah, they definitely hit you over the head with it, and uh, it, it's an all right episode, but I think it's very average, and yeah, definitely non essential. Yeah. So the only thing about this episode that I thought was was really interesting, and we mentioned this on uh, on our commentary, but it, I guess it bears mentioning here, is that this was actually uh, one of the original scripts that Roddenberry had thrown on the pile for a possible pilot for Star Trek. Uh, ultimately, it didn't, yeah. didn't get made. I think uh, Where No Man Has Gone Before was chosen over this one. But could you guys imagine if they had picked this script to make into a pilot? It would have been so much for the viewer to take. Do you think it would the series would have even made it to air had they used this one? No, I don't think so. No, <laughs> there's, there's too much talking. going on because you're being introduced to you're being introduced to too much. There's it's almost like a, an advanced class in 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 Star Trek. Uh, by this point in season two, we've kind of we know the cast, we know the crew, uh, we know the mission, and we know the 
the alternate Earths. Yeah. So that makes this episode a, a little bit more uh, uh, easy to, to take. All right. Well, Matt Walski again disagrees with us and calls Ooh, this that essential. Was <laughs> uh, he's got quite a long write up here, so uh, I'll I'll read as much of it as I can get out. Is uh, another all-out action episode with at least four prolonged fight scenes and a red shirt being disintegrated by a phaser. Uh, like Leslie before him, this red shirt, uh, Galway, would return uh, with the same name in later episodes. He'd also been in several season one episodes, notably Taste of Armageddon, in which both red shirts survived at the expense of the ambassador's aid. Uh, anyway, lots of action. Uh uh, even nudity, as you can see, the female Yang's private parts under her skirt when she falls to the floor after being neck-pinched. I, I don't think I noticed that. I'll have to go back and look. Uh, one of the all-time Trek production legends that seems to be uh, genuinely true. Not that he's not that he spent much time looking at it. Uh, <laughs> the first rogue starship captain, uh, Merrick, in Bread and Circuses was a, a merchant champion, not a Starfleet, while Stecker wasn't bad, just crazy. Captain Tracy is more than a match for Kirk uh, in the hand-to-hand -hand stuff, which is refreshing. Only Finnegan previously had been a problem for Kirk. That's a good observation. That is a good observation. Uh, some people have a problem with the parallel Earth scenario and Kirk reading the U.S. Constitution, but by the same, by the time it rolls around, he's fully caught up with the episode. Any thoughts on Matt's comments, either of you guys? Again, all great, great comments. Um, I, I really enjoy um, seeing other people's take on, on episodes because um, it always gives you um, either a new understanding or a new appreciation of certain moments. And uh, that's why I love talking Star Trek with people. Totally agree. Uh, Chris, any thoughts on Matt's comments or... Oh, he has a good point of view on the episode. I totally forgot about how, yeah, the other captain could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Kirk and did have the upper hand on him. But uh, in the end, it's you can do without it. All right. So that puts a cap on that episode. And we are going to move on now to the ultimate computer. The Enterprise tests the computer that, if successful, could replace Kirk as the captain. Both Craig and I went essential on this and according to my notes the reasoning was we get a lot of information about the layout of the enterprise we get to learn where what decks the living quarters are on and we get to learn uh, some about where the engineering sections what level the engineering sections are on and some great character development moments uh, throughout the episode uh, any any other notes craig Beyond the character development moments, um, you also have the tremendous guest star, William mm -hmm. Marshall, as Richard Daystrom. And I know a guest star isn't normally enough to, to really sway uh, a vote, but I think the weight and just the tremendous acting skills that Marshall brings to that performance make it an episode that's worth watching. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous talent who uh, would contribute some great performances down the road. But here, it's just a, a really fascinating character as well. And I thought it was a great study of what success could do to uh, a young mind if they get that success too early. And as mentioned, you said, you know, the, some of the character moments. I, I, I know we talked about it on the commentary, but sort of if you look at this episode in the grand scheme of things and you look at the journey that the original series crew takes and the self-doubt that is sort of... Um, grows in the characters and as we watch the characters get older in the movie um it's kind of neat here to see kirk really questioning his importance and his role in sort of the grand scheme of things so uh i think that in terms of emotional uh connections um this episode really does it for me wow great comments i i will echo your uh, comments about uh D daystrom and and how great that character is throughout this episode and uh I, the, the watching his breakdown from the beginning all the way through to the end is is a great great journey and i i think star trek fans or, or anybody watching star trek would be would be missing out if they didn't have that opportunity to see uh, that episode chris what are your thoughts oh definitely essential this is uh one of my favorites it, uh daystrom is like you said just seeing him break down from beginning to end was well done by the actor kirk's self-doubt that was good to see uh mccoy being right there for him that was good seeing like a friend like a friend stick up for him and all right. that 
Yeah. Uh, Spock, I mean, he's really interested in his computer and everything, but he also knows its limitations. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he comes right out and says it. Also, it's kind of cool. Uh, Daystrom, he gets name dropped quite a few times, oh, yeah. I believe, in uh, Next Generation, the uh, Daystrom Institute. So while the guy might have completely went off the deep end, his uh, school and his science institute is still kicking, doing great things. So oh, that's awesome. He has that going for him. Yeah. And I think <laughs> yeah. he does say that he invented uh, most of the technology that was used on the Enterprise at the time, didn't he? So uh, he was a developer of a lot of the computer systems that ran the ship itself. Yeah. So pretty cool there, too. A little bit of a backstory about the Enterprise. Uh, Let's see. We have some comments from Donnie. Let's take a listen to what Donnie has to say. I think one of the reasons it's it's essential, though, is because of its – it's the first episode that actually talks about the inner workings of the Enterprise computer. You know, it – it introduces topics like duotronics and introduces Richard Daystrom, who's, you know, if, if you watch TNG or Deep Space Nine or the other series, you'll hear the Daystrom Institute and, and them talk about duotronics, uh, how that compares to isolinear uh, computers and stuff like that. So it, to me, it's essential just based on that fact, the amount of technology it introduces in this episode about the computer hardware in the 23rd and 24th century. And, oh, and, you know, Matt Walski agrees with us that this is an essential episode. And uh, he says, like the Doomsday Machine, this one could have been a movie due to its scope and concept. So that's an interesting, uh, interesting comment. Uh, yeah. Loves the naval references, uh, the idea of the skeleton crew, which they would later uh, do in Star Trek Three when they were going back to the, to the Genesis planet. And they had a, only a few people on board with most of the ship automated, which, of course, Scotty actually rigged up himself in in star trek 3 if i recall correctly so he didn't need the m5 computer there uh, kirk and daystrom's exchanges are, are brilliant mccoy has his best sarcastic line of the entire series a wonderful machine the m5 no off switch so, yeah that's that's a great one so all right thanks matt walski for the great comments and, and thanks to donnie for for chipping in and we're going to move on to ancient rome in star trek bread and circuses Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are captured on a planet that resembles a Roman Empire with 20th century technology. They are set to die at the hands of gladiators for the sake of public spectacle. This is a very contentious end to the second season. Craig and I disagree yet again uh, with Craig calling this essential and me calling it non-essential. Yeah, for me, this really, uh, and I alluded to it earlier in our conversation, but for me, this is really the the best demonstration of the alternate earth episodes that they did. I think the concept of a a world where Rome never fell is just such a fascinating one. And to see that, you know, moved all the way up into the 20th century where you have um, the late 1960s tech and you have these TV studios and talk of ratings and executions and, and how those affect the ratings. It's really interesting to see that that was stuff that was being discussed or thought about 50 years ago, and it's pretty close to becoming reality now with the way TV's going. Mm, that is true. That is true. Uh, Chris, tiebreaker? Non-essential. It's, once again, it's a fun episode to watch, but it just, there's nothing about it that really stands out. I mean, no new alien races or anything like that. Uh I mean, you do get some cool, uh, like, McCoy moments when he's fighting, I think, but it's it's just not enough going on with this one. And again, I think it's just the third episode this season where you have, like, the alternate Earth thing going on, and it's, at this point, it's like, enough is enough. I really wish they would have gone in a different direction, but they did what they did, and it's fun, but just not enough there. Chris, but if at the end of the day you had to throw away some of these ultimate earth episodes then let's assume that a piece of the action is uh, is immune which one of them are you gonna, are you going to keep are you going to keep something before you keep bread and circuses i think i'd keep well yeah piece of the action first but if that one's immune i don't know i, I think they could both go <laughs> <laughs> jeff uh wow um I'm not sure on that. You know what? I, I would go. I would probably keep bread and circuses, but not for the reason that you would think. 
All right. I would keep Bread and Circuses simply because of the exceptionally great uh, scene between Spock and McCoy uh, when they're locked in the jail cell and, and Spock is trying to, to pry the bars open so that they can escape and, oh, right. and save Captain Kirk. And, you know, you have, you have McCoy just totally breaking Spock down. Uh, you know, just ripping him for for not uh, you know for hiding his emotions and not letting his human side come out and and express uh, his 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 true feelings and his his worry for Kirk and this this scene kind of wraps with uh, with McCoy acknowledging that well Spock almost breaks down but but shakes it off at the last second and goes back to the logical self and uh, it, it kind of wraps with McCoy you know acknowledging for both of them that they're both worried about about Kirk I think that alone is a, is a, it was an honorable mention for this episode and, and if you could grab just that scene and show it to people without having to watch the entire episode that that's probably my ideal yeah i'm i'm, I'm surprised that that scene didn't push you over the edge in terms of uh, the essential vote but uh, i understand your point i forgot about that scene that was a really good scene yeah absolutely exceptional because you know you're you're it, and earlier they you had a scene where um uh, what was the 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 gladiator's name? The the the, the big gladiator who was uh who who defected and and went to the uh... oh, what was his name? It started with a K, I think. I can't remember, but at any rate, he the you know Spock and McCoy are arguing, and Kirk and the gladiator are sitting in the back of the room, and and uh, the, the gladiator remarks, "Are they friends or are they enemies?" Something to that effect, because they're so contentious and. Uh, I think that uh, when you finally see this kind of breakdown uh, scene, it really speaks a lot to those two characters and how they they have that conflict, but they still have that friendship underneath. Yeah. So so great stuff. Uh, we got some comments again from Donnie. Let's let's check those out. I'm gonna have to say non-essential. I think that it just seems like another one of those episodes where they found you know a bunch of Roman Empire props laying around NBC studios and decided to make an episode out of it. <laughs> and that, that to me, that happens, you know, with most of the, the earth parallel stories, uh, that seems like there was a lot in this season. Yeah. That's just kind of what they did. They were just looking for more stories to do. And I mean, it, it, not saying that it was a terrible story, but to me, it just, it's just was, it's just not essential to, to enjoying the rest of the, uh, series. Okay. We are now on to the final episode of Season 2, and that is Assignment Earth. The Enterprise travels back in time to 1968, where the crew encounters the mysterious Gary Seven, who claims to be sent by advanced beings trying to help Earth. To round out Season 2, Craig and I both went non-essential on this episode. and I know, as much as it pains you. <laughs> I was so begrudging i i did not want to i was looking for any reason uh to call this episode essential because and this is this is where you know my essential criteria and the, the rules uh come into play and they work against me because i really enjoy this episode uh i've always liked this ever since i was a young kid and the first time i saw it i was fascinated by it uh, i i love the gary seven character i thought it was awesome uh his teleporting around and his little knockout pen that he has. I thought that was so great. And uh, it was just fun to me. And I, I know other people, I've, I've talked to other people who really despise this episode. So um, I don't know. It, it, it was a tough call for me, but I had to go non-essential because there really isn't anything, aside from the fact that this was uh, the only attempt at, at making a spinoff series from Star Trek. And if the spinoff had actually happened, maybe that would make this episode essential. But unfortunately... The spinoff never happened, and uh, we would never see Gary Seven on, on television again. Craig? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. You you pretty much nailed it there. Um, what could have been, and 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 what actually was uh, in uh, another uh, universe somewhere. <laughs> yeah. The mirror Gary Seven. Maybe he got his own show. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, any thoughts on Assignment Earth? Uh, I don't despise the episode, but I do dislike it. Hmm. Uh, Non-essential. Again, the entire non-interference thing, and here you have the Enterprise going back in time. I mean, that really takes the cake, I think, on non-interference. Yeah, just to it observe. Just, <laughs> yeah. And learn. <laughs> it's, yeah, that totally gets thrown out the window. And uh, 
it really it doesn't seem like a Star Trek episode to me. I mean, it really mm-hmm. focuses on Gary Seven pretty much more than anyone else. And I guess it could be cool, but as a as a season finale, I'm really surprised they went that way. Uh, I mean, it has its moments, but overall, yeah, this is one I do not like, and one of the few episodes I really do not like. All right, and uh, Matt Walski also calls this non-essential. Uh, really strange episode, but then uh, that was partly because it was a pilot for another show. Uh, some Gary Seven scenes are so long you forget Kirk and Spock are in the same episode. Uh, Gary Seven is cool, an iconic character, uh, uh, less so than the annoying Terry Gar character. Uh, he does like Kirk and Spock wandering the New York streets in business suits and dodgy hats. But overall, uh, it's, it's just a so-so episode for him. So uh seems like everybody feels this is a non-essential episode. And I think I'm the only one who actually likes it, though. <laughs> uh, but that's nothing new. So any uh, final thoughts on Assignment Earth from, from either of you guys before we, we button up the episode? No, nah, I think uh, I think you hit a lot of the uh, the stuff that we would have that we should have talked about. Yeah. All right. So that rounds out our season two uh, wrap up second part. So we have now covered every episode. We've rehashed every episode of season two, and I guess we can do some closing comments on season two overall. Let's start with uh, Craig Cohen. Um, season two was really uh, an interesting season in the sense that it seemed like a lot of stuff that you would have expected first season, namely all the prime directive stuff would have happened in the first season. And as I sort of talked about as the season went on, and even with some of our guest contributors um, about how sort of weird um, this season got compared to the first one, we had just some really, I don't know if for primetime TV, I think Star Trek was getting a, a little out there and, and a, a little, uh, I don't want to say the word dangerous, but definitely doing stuff on TV um, that you really probably didn't think you'd see on TV um, during this time period. So um, it'll be interesting when we're done with all three seasons to really step back at a high level and look at all three individual seasons. Um, because a lot of the time I've really thought about Star Trek as... Um, an assortment of episodes. So one of the things I've really loved about doing this show with you, Jeff, is sitting down sequentially watching these and really getting a feel for how each season fit together and how those seasons fit in the overall Star Trek story. I agree. Uh, And I'm looking forward to getting to the end, not to wish time away, but I'm looking forward to getting to the end of season three as well and kind of having an an overall look. I'm sure our season three wrap uh, and series wrap are going to be quite... uh, lengthy discussions chris final thoughts on season two as a whole uh season two is probably my favorite of the three seasons uh it starts off very strong especially the first half of the season a lot of classic episodes all the characters they're all finally hitting their stride they know what they're doing they know who who they are my only big gripe about this season i think is they kept going to the well with the time travel in one way, shape, or form. And I really wish pretty much the original series as a whole would have gotten away from that. But other than that, it's a really good season. I like it a lot. And yeah, it's definitely, I think, the high point of the original series. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I the first thing that you said is, is exactly the, the first thing that I was going to lead off with uh, for my, my closing remarks. And that is, the second season starts off really, really strong for me and then kind of gets weak uh, near the end. And especially when you get down to uh, Return to Tomorrow, uh, which is the 49th episode through the 55th. I mean, it, it starts to get really sketchy, especially with some of those Earth parallel episodes, uh, you know, especially the Omega Glory for me. That That's a real head scratcher. You know, more so than the other ones. I mean, I would definitely put that at the bottom of the barrel uh, for the Earth parallels. And they did go to the well uh, a, a little too often for me. And when you look at the beginning of the season, you've got some really strong, strong episodes right there front-loaded. You know, Muck Time, uh, you know, The Changeling, Mirror Mirror, Doomsday Machine. You got them all front-loaded there. And, you know, Journey to Babel, and it's it's all kind of heavy. And you're, 
you you have that 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 high going into the into the middle and the end of the season you're like oh it kind of just kind of falls off unfortunately and it is a, a good season overall though and and putting one two and three up against each other uh you know i would probably waver back and forth between one and two being my favorite seasons uh, on any given day it may be one on, on another day it may be two depending on my mood so uh, it's tough for me to call one season my favorite over over another but um it's been a great watching experience going through these with Craig and, and doing deep dives into every single episode because not as many times as I've seen them, I've never watched them as closely as we've watched them uh, in order to talk about them. So that's been a great adventure and a lot of fun. And uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to doing the same thing with the, uh, the, the, the very contentious season three. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's going to be great. And uh, that's that's going to be starting up in two weeks from today, because next week we have a very, very special interview coming up for everybody. And it's it's so good and it is so uh, monumental, uh, a cornerstone moment for our show that we decided to make it an official episode on a Sunday instead of releasing it on a Wednesday midweek. So uh, we're not, I'm not I don't want to spoil it now and let everybody know what it is and who it is. But um I think everybody out there who listens to our show who is an original series fan is going to really, really enjoy this interview because I think Craig and I had a hell of a great time doing it. Yeah, a tremendous guest, and it logically makes sense for us to um, drop this uh, at the end of our Season 2 coverage and be, and before our Season 3 coverage starts. And uh, I think after you hear the interview, it'll it'll all make sense. So, yeah, I know... I can't wait to listen back to that because it was really, really such a great conversation. One thing, though, I wanted to point out that we had a lot of great contributors over these two episodes. So big thanks to everybody um, that participated. Chris, thank you. One person who we wanted to get on, but we just couldn't coordinate our schedules, um, is our co-host on some other podcasts, uh, namely the Monkees podcast, Zilch, and that's Ken Mills. And he sent a little message uh, for us and our listeners. As Tricorder Transmission wraps up its coverage of Star Trek, the original series, second season, I, Ken Mills, would like to take this moment to thank Jeff and Craig for all their wonderful work on behalf of all the fans and listeners out there in podcast land. It's a joy listening to your show every week, and it's great how you go in-depth and let us know not only your opinions, but the behind-the-scenes facts in a wrap-up in a way that only you two can do. I think of all the great people that we've all got to know because of this show and things that we're aware of. I myself probably never would have been aware of Five-Year Mission had it not been for your show or April Bear and people like that, and many others, and George Pappy and the Green Girl. You're bringing people together, and that's a good thing. So on behalf of all the listeners, we look forward to Warp Speed for Season 3. Keep it up, and continue to do the great work that you do. Live long and prosper. Oh, that was nice of uh, of Ken to send over. Thanks a lot, Ken, for participating. I, I wish that we'd have been able to get you on the episode itself, but uh, you know, next time for for the season three wrap, we will be sure uh, to schedule it way in advance, so at least we can get some some comments from you directly. And uh, as Craig said, thanks to everyone who contributed to this, and and you know, Chris, it's always a pleasure uh, having you on the show. Oh, thanks for having me on again. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks. Always, always great to have Chris on, and, and we get uh, we get a lot of comments about you, uh, Chris, from our our listeners, and people enjoy hearing your your comments because you're usually very direct about your <laughs> feedback. You're not you're not wishy washy. You speak your mind, and you're very resolute about your opinions. So uh, I, I that that that's appreciated out there in listener land. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> totally. So if if you've um been wanting to interact with us or, or wanting to uh, give your feelings, there's a lot of different ways you can interact with us. Um, we have the Facebook page, which is facebook.com uh, slash the tricorder transmissions, and also Twitter, uh, TTT underscore pod. And I know uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've had some, some really fun discussions going on. So if you want to move beyond uh, the podcast and, and get a little more interactive, we are here for you. Yes, and don't forget we also have our own website with forums 
uh, on it that you can also use to talk back right and forth with us. And and a fun incentive to check out our, our Twitter feed is that we have uh, pretty frequent exchanges with uh, Ashley and Jason from the Red Shirt Diaries nowadays, since yeah. we're all friends and, and we shoot messages back a lot. So if you want to join in on any of those conversations, Twitter is the place to find us. And uh, you can also follow them. Uh, on their Twitter feeds uh, just by looking at ours and, and grabbing their names and following them. So um, they would love to hear from you as well. So, um, you know, we, we thank, uh, we thank the Red Shirt Diaries folks for coming on, doing a little promo here. We, and I want to thank Donnie Versage again for uh, taking the time out to record his comments and Matt Walski from the other side of the pond, taking the time to write up two very lengthy uh, emails to us with all of his thoughts on season two and we look forward to hopefully being able to get him actually on the show uh in the future yeah i know if our season three uh, wrap-up doesn't get everybody involved our big uh series wrap-up that i know we're talking about before we we move on uh past the original three seasons we're going to do our big series wrap-up which i think we've described as what a big skype party <laughs> yeah I, I think we're going to try to overload skype uh with all of it, as many previous guests as we possibly can so i know yeah. we'll be trying to get april and vernon back on and uh, i'm sure that we will have uh, some some other voices from uh, hopefully someone that we were having that big interview with will come back on and uh, uh, the red shirt diaries folks can come on Chris, of course, I'm sure we'll be on. Yeah. And uh, yes. And uh, maybe people that we meet at the, uh, the 2015 Trek convention. Yeah. Little, who knows? little, little teaser there that uh, <laughs> Craig and I may be going to the 2015 Trek convention. Yeah, if there's a will, there's a way, right? Yeah. Oh, five year mission. We got a five year mission oh. back on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Uh, thanks, of course, for, to everybody for listening. Uh, we, we, we always uh, love to hear from you guys out there in listener land and uh, keep, really keeps us going and uh, keeps the show fresh and, and, and lively. So, uh, totally. Gentlemen, thanks a lot for being here. And uh, we will be back with you all next week for a big surprise. It's really-